Eugene gave sincere witness of the gospel when he forgave Amber Geiger. And if you don't know who Amber Geiger is, she's the police officer who in 2018, she accidentally entered a apartment that was not her own and she killed the man whose apartment it was. She killed Botham Jean, who was Brant's brother. Now, in this moment, we, we find recently that she was there, she got convicted of murder and she was being there at the, the courtroom. She was getting her, her sentencing and the brother of the man who was killed, the man who was murdered, her brother came there and was on the witness stand. He said, I forgive you. I want what is best for you. And that means you need to follow God. You need to turn your heart over to God. Now, this is an amazing witness of the gospel, and it's a very beautiful thing. This is something which we really need to spend some time in the church illuminating because if we ask the question, is what we're doing giving glory to God, this unmistakably gives glory to God. So without any further hesitation, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos. This is a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. And with that awkward segue, because we're going all over the place, let's actually just jump straight into this video. Now, this is a little bit long, but I want you to sit through this. Listen to this man's testimony. Again, it's, it's so metaphysical. It's a literal testimony. It's one that's also very spiritual. Listen to this testimony and see what you think about it. We'll be back in a minute. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. 
I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. That whole room was crying. The third epistle of John, verse 11 reads, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Now that clip that we just played, it was published by CNN, and we want to give them credit, but we actually were planning on talking about the need to give thanks for spiritual food this week, and we had a change of plans right here at the end, sort of like preachers that have their sermon changed the night before, really is what happened with this podcast. This is something which is unmistakably good. This is otherworldly good. This is something that our culture needs more of. We need people imitating this model, again, which is not even this man himself. Brant, as his own confession, this is what Christ has commanded him to do, and therefore he must do it. Um, Pastor Amanda, what are our thoughts? We'll just go around the room. <laughs> initial thoughts take away from watching this testimony. Uh, yeah, I think initially it is something um, where you you join in the the courtroom almost and, and weep with them because it is something like you said that is so uh, otherworldly. It is so supernatural because this is not how the world works. This is nope. not how even the world thinks. Nope. Um, and even we were discussing before uh, the podcast about people's reaction and uh, to it, and it even seems in such a moment of such love and uh, grace that already people are trying to use it as something that is divisive, something that can be manipulated for their own uh, agenda or worldview. And what we see in this really and truly is just simply the, this fantastical act of forgiveness, this fantastical act of grace um, that breaks down divisiveness, and it yeah, should. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it is quite incomprehensible almost. It, it takes, it, one part of your brain goes, oh, this is simple, someone forgave someone else, and the other part of you goes, well, wait, like, who are the people in my own life that I have to forgive, and how much more difficult is it that I, or that I make it to forgive them? Uh, when here there's a man who's lost his brother, and it's forgiving, forgiving the murderer. Yeah, this is powerful stuff. Again, you go out and you try to find a news article on this. I dare you to find one that doesn't mention race at all. But in that man's testimony, never once does he mention it because something about this, it transcends what the world's expectations are. This is the gospel of Christ Jesus, and the gospel really is sufficient. This man is living out the gospel. Anthony, what are your initial thoughts on this? Well, um kind of building off of something that Amanda said a little bit is that we do start off thinking that like oh yeah forgiveness is this simple thing and we always set up these scenarios and we try to talk about it with other people um, in these really overly simplistic ways and it's sort of comparable to how we show the cross as just a wooden cross rather than showing Christ on the cross 
Mm. And that's sort of, it, you know, it carries a lot of other, a lot of much more transcendent meaning to it. And uh, in the same way, in this man's act of forgiveness, he shows how difficult it is and what's on his mind. Mm. He says, I don't even want to say to you that I hope that you rot and die yeah. like my brother did. Graphic. That is what is on his mind yeah. as he is forgiving this woman. Mm. It's not just the pain. It's not any amount of selfishness. He's sitting there thinking, my brother is rotting dead. Yeah. But I don't wish that onto you because yeah. of what Christ has done in my life. And uh, a lot of times we just want to, you know, kind of clean things up and we don't want to put Jesus on the cross. And we, we just want to show the wooden cross. We just want to show the, the wooden cross. The broken body on it, the bloodshed. Yep. And uh, we just want to talk about forgiveness, but we don't want to talk about what's going to be on your mind when you're forgiving somebody. Yeah. And what's going to be on your mind and what's going to prevent you from that is, you know, uh, whether it was forgiving someone for what they did to you or forgiving someone for what they did uh, to someone else, it's going to be that rotting body. Yeah. And yeah, you make a really good distinction there, Anthony. A lot of times in the Protestant world, we like crosses that are just wooden crosses or maybe they're whatever they may be, but they don't have a body on them. This man is not giving witness to a, a gospel that has just a wooden cross. It's one that actually has a broken body on there with blood, with a dead corpse. He, he mentions that aspect of it. He goes there. And to something Pastor Amanda was pointing out earlier, this, this convicts you, who do I need to forgive? And even in our show prep today, when we were talking about this, we, we were looking at how, and you, you mentioned this, Amanda, he's not just saying it's okay what you did. He's yeah. not saying that at all. He's saying you're forgiven. It's the sin will be cleansed. That pastor's there. It's not okay. I don't want you to go out and do this anymore. But he's wanting her to be forgiven. Well, and there's, there's real consequences to what she did. This is not something that gets swept under the rug. There's a life that has been truly yeah. lost. Um, but what the brother is doing um, is that he is telling her that those consequences are now uh, transformed under the grace of God, under the grace that God has extended to the brother Brant, and then also then Brant is extending yeah. to her. Um, so she's, and he does mention um, that he didn't feel like she needed to go to jail, um, and they're. M- in another context, there may be an, a, a time and place to debate that, but I don't think that's shifting focus from what's really important. And what's important is that he is allowing her to see that there's an alternative to living in guilt. And so whether or not she's in jail, whether or not those consequences of her actions are played out, yeah. she's got to live with the fact she took someone's life and unjustly took someone's life. Yeah. Um, regardless of what circumstances were around that or what she felt, that life did not have to be lost. No. And because she took it, she has to live with that. And what this brother, what Brant is extending to her is that there is that grace and forgiveness is not just a cognitive thing where we say, okay, in my mind I've forgiven you, but reality itself has been transformed because of that grace. And so yeah. she, she now also he makes it clear she has to respond to that grace. Um, so whether or not she lives into that gift that has been given her, that is up to her. But Brandt has extended that quite fantastically. And that really is what the gospel looks like. Christ goes to the cross and dies. And he and we're about to read some scripture. Christ went somewhere no one else could do. This is the power of Christ being manifested here. Christ, only Christ could go where Christ went and do what Christ did. 
But now that Christ has given us that gift, he's given us that grace, we have to make a choice in our hearts. And that's what Brant is doing for, for this, this, this lady, Amber Geiger. He's put her in this position where now she can make a choice. And it's, it's a powerful thing. Anthony, you had some thoughts before we get into our scripture real quick. Well, uh, I think in part also, um, I think Brant's worldview has got to be so solid. I don't, I don't think any of this was like super intensely like this is exactly what I'm going to say when I get up there. Yeah. I think he's just expressing oh, yeah, this... a really, really well-rounded Christian worldview. Yep. And when he's up there, he says, you know, we've all done things that we knew we weren't supposed to do. Yeah. I forgive you. On my part, I forgive you here and now. If you go to God, he'll forgive you too. Yeah. He's not saying that God hasn't forgiven her, but he is saying if you turn to God, you can have that relationship with him. Yeah, he, and it's not, not just about not feeling guilt. Yeah. It's not just about like escaping the pain of the guilt. He says that the he wants the best for her. And she is like everyone else in the room who has made mistakes. And, you know, as he says, um, we've all made mistakes that uh you know we weren't supposed to do and um whenever he says that to her it's not just an escape of grief it is coming into right relationship with god that is the best thing for um the police officer to do and that's the best thing for everybody to do because we've all made yeah. such mistakes is to come into the right relationship yeah, with this, God. Is, this is true justice. This is true righteousness. Relieving of grief and guilt, those are those are byproducts of the outcome of getting there to forgiveness. Forgiveness is the tool. And let's read a little bit about this. I want us to go to the Gospel of John, and we're going to begin in verse 31 of chapter 13. So let's read this. This is where Christ gives that commandment right before going to the cross, but we're going to read this in a few verses before it. So in verse 31 of John 13, reads as follows. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Brant, he's not playing judge of the living and the dead. He's not pretending he's God. A lot of times we read this as saying Christ is going somewhere they cannot go, that he's going to be the one on the cross, and, you know, they're going to go, and they're going to hide. They're going to go, you know, lock behind closed doors and stuff like that. That does happen, and that's one of the literal aspects of this. But one of the bigger aspects of this that is also literal but also more transcendental and it goes beyond the limits of this plane is Christ goes to the abode of the dead and he has victory over death. Could any of the disciples, y'all answer me, this, could any of the disciples go down there and do that? Well, obviously not. <laughs> could any, can any of the Jews mention there, could any of them do that? No. No, no. The answer is no. Anthony's over there looking a little hesitant. He's over there next to the microphone. Should I answer this? Like, no, I was just considering <laughs> saying, I mean, even the things which the disciples think that they should be able to do like <laughs> exercise a demon they can't do um, sometimes christ says even this what i even to do this what i gave you wasn't enough this requires a special type of prayer yeah and then he goes and does it yeah so we cannot do that you look in that and i wish in this footage you could actually see the judge you hear her there's a long pause at the end he asks if he can go give her a hug 
and you hear like a long pause and eventually the judge says yes. And then when you finally see her, she's wiping a few tears away. For everyone in that courtroom, you hear people howling like dogs crying. You see people softly crying. It's moving to people because they have just witnessed something which was otherworldly. And even by the confession of Brandt himself, he doesn't get to choose to choose the ultimate fate of, of this lady. God does. And she has been offered grace. And let me go to one other scripture real quick, and then we'll come back to all this. Um, so Jesus gives that commandment before going to the cross, after he comes off the cross and goes to the tomb. He has victory over death. He's resurrected. He comes out. He gives them another little commandment. And this is John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus went and did something. And again, we've been asking that question in our programs. Is what you're doing giving glory to God? It's a good question to ask before you do something. Clearly, this man was doing something which was giving glory to God. Jesus went somewhere none of us could go. And then when Jesus returned from there, he breathed on them and says, If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, that doesn't mean that we are able to be the judges of the living dead. We're adults. We can make distinctions, but it means we can forgive people. And forgiveness is a tool. Before we get into breaking down forgiveness, because that's really where I'd like for this program to go, um, any thoughts on those scriptures and everything we've read? Pastor Amanda? Well, I think um, as you're talking and also as we're moving, I know it's only October, but we, I mean, it's close enough to be considered Advent at this point, let's be honest. We're, as we're planning uh, for Advent and Christmas, there's a phrase we often say uh, when talking about the incarnation. It is that he became like us so that we could become like him. Mm. And often we kind of reduce that down to like this aspiration to to heaven, um, to one day when there will be nothing but the kingdom. And that's definitely a part of it. But I think really what that's saying, and also um, I think it's in one of the synoptic gospels, or it may even be in Acts, where Jesus tells his disciples, you will do greater things than I. And it's this realization that we definitely cannot do any of this in our own power. Like that's just obvious. But with the grace of God that has been extended to us, we are somehow called to a higher standard than even our own imaginations, or and definitely more than even the disciples could have imagined as Jesus was telling them these things. It is really that, that Christ put on flesh and endured the full spectrum of human life, all of its joys and all of its sufferings, all the way to the abode of the dead. And with that rose victorious so that we could have power over those things. And that's difficult. And that's and this is not downplaying the, the you can tell in that video that, that Brandt, the brother, is really struggling with this. This is not an easy thing. He's still mourning the loss of a loved one. Uh, but in the midst of that, God's grace becomes something so much greater again, than we could ever imagine or think or conceive. And even the things we thought were impossible for us to do, like forgiving someone that's harmed us so so severely, it becomes a possibility. And forgiveness, it is a tool. And we look in our, our modern day and language, our modern day and age, and there's language missing from the church, things like liberty, forgiveness of sin, transformation out of sin. Even in the church in the Nazarene, a lot of people, you ask who they are, a lot of clergy will say, well, we're a holiness church, but you don't hear a lot of talk about holiness. This is something where we can point to and say, this gives glory to God. The holiness of God is present in that room. 
And we can even go so far to say this is the tool of forgiveness clearly. I mean, you, you can't even have a question. This is clearly forgiveness being utilized. This is this out there. So we need to talk about forgiveness and what it is because it is a tool. It cleanses sin and therefore it is transformative. People look around at the world wondering how in the world can we get people out of problems? How do we deal with things in the world? Again, it's very popular to talk about social issues right now, but you rarely hear forgiveness being part of that conversation, like ever. Forgiveness is not something which undoes the past. It doesn't reverse history. In this statement, did, did Brandt say anything in there about if he forgives her, his brother comes back? Well, no. No. Did he say anything about if, if he forgives her, she gets to go out and do this again? No. But in being forgiven, you can cleanse the sin and you can actually move towards transformation. We understand biblically that ever since sin entered into the equation, it's something which runs through all of our veins. And you saw this man even say that. He said, we all do things we're not supposed to do. You know, when somebody's not supposed to go in someone else's house and kill them just because, like, they, they think it's their, they're not supposed to do that. That's not supposed to happen. But God wanted us to be freed from sin. He wanted us to be cleansed of that. God also is not a tyrant who's going to erase his own creation and undo time. So he, he's given us the tool of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a transformative thing because it can heal and it can cleanse sin. What do y'all think about that? Seeing forgiveness as a tool that is by design transformative. Anthony? I think uh, there's a lot here that we can get viewing forgiveness in this way and juxtaposing that to the works of the martyrs. Whenever the martyrs are being martyred and persecuted, um, well, first I want to start off with this. I told them this uh, at our meeting before the podcast, but um, and g none of the Germanic languages are part of the New Testament theology. But the etymology for forgive, as we use it in English, is traced back to some early Germanic languages, basically for the giving up of power, the giving up of your ability to seek retribution or revenge. And so that encapsulates a lot of what forgiveness is. It is a sacrifice that you're making. Um, and we Christians are called to sacrifice for the glory of God. And so when I compare this to, for instance, the works of the martyrs, uh, it is in their meekness, in their holding back of their power, in their giving up of the power to get any sort of revenge or any sort of retribution and turning themselves over to their... Uh, persecutors for the glory of God that is such a powerful testimony and is so transformative I think um, sort of uh, we think frequently about how the martyrs died and that sacrifice in enough is in itself is the end of it but I don't think that sacrifice is the end of what the martyrs have done because there are those who turn to God in light of that sacrifice and in light of what it is that they've given up and whenever we forgive people, we make a very, very similar sacrifice, a very selfless. It's a very, very selfless act that sure, speaks sure. as an extremely bright testimony. And it is effective. It is indeed a tool. Well, you know, forgiveness and confession, these things, they, they present people with an opportunity for something new. The way of death is the way that says, you know, I go into a house, I think it's mine, it's not really mine, someone's in there, I shoot him and kill him. You know, that, that's the way of death. 
The way of death is also being the brother of that and saying, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be resentful. I'm going to be angry for, for all of eternity. That's also the way of death. The way of life, which is straight, narrow, and very rare, is the brother who comes in and says, we all do things we're not meant to do. You did something you were not meant to do. Someone's not supposed to do that. It's against the law and the designs of God. But I forgive you, and I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to accept Christ Jesus. You know, forgiveness is not something which forces behavior. And as with the gospel, when people are presented with the grace of God, they must choose what they're going to do. We, we don't need to have our expectations of forgiveness to be molded into something where we think if we just forgive someone, suddenly we're best friends. Suddenly things have changed. In the end, Amber, she has to make a decision. And there's another very important word that we have in Christianity that we need to use more, and that's the language of repentance. And repentance, it comes from the Greek metanoia, which means whenever someone is on the way, one way of life, you've got all your hobbies, your habits, your behavior, your taste, all your interests, you are all set on one direction. You know, someone can look at my life and say, you know, you like cars, you just put a clutch in a car, you like to sit around and tinker with stuff and sit with your dog. You know, these are all my hobbies, my habits. You can look at my stuff. I'm on Bible Gateway all the time. You could pretty easily deduce what type of life I live just by looking at my technology. To have true repentance, to have true metanoia would mean everything has changed. You know, you're suddenly you have different hobbies, different habits. Your life is lived differently. You look like a different person, and every aspect of your life represents that. What we see happening here is a man forgiving somebody and then giving an opportunity for that metanoia. This is the same thing Christ does, and it is exactly what Christ teaches us to do. Forgiveness, it's not just coming about and presenting a message. It's not coming and listening to someone's story and thinking all this is going to change everything. Forgiveness is you present the grace of God. You say, I'm handing this over to God, who is the true judge of the living and the dead. And now I'm giving you an opportunity. You can choose in your heart. The way of life is this, and now you choose. Pastor Man, your thoughts? Well, I think this also reminds us of an aspect of forgiveness that can be difficult also to grasp, and that is that uh, forgiveness is not done on the expectation then that this behavior, uh, on forced behavior. And what I mean by that is there are times when we forgive people in our lives or in the lives of others and they don't change their behavior. Now, mm. again, sometimes and sometimes forgiveness needs to be creating healthy boundaries. A healthy boundary in this situation is probably that she needs to go to jail for 10 years. And that's my opinion on that matter. But the forgiveness is extended regardless of if she were to react in any kind of repentance or not. And it does seem like there is some sorrow, that she has some sorrow. And as to the condition of her heart, only God knows. But Brandt is extending this grace, this forgiveness, this mercy, this love... Uh, regardless of how she feels, really regardless of how the world feels. And, yeah. and it, we see this on, it's on our Facebook feeds, it's on our news feeds, it's on this, that, and the other. Everyone's got an opinion on this story. But Bran extends forgiveness not because the world says extend forgiveness, not because the world says, you know, manipulate her into feeling bad about herself. He yep. extends forgiveness because this is the reaction that someone under the jurisdiction of God is to is to have yep. and it is hard and it is difficult and we wish 
or maybe we shouldn't wish, but some of us, when we are faced with these difficult situations, we wish our forgiveness would be enough to turn somebody. That when we say, I forgive you, they'll suddenly have the epiphany moment and be like, oh, you're right, I need to stop living the way I'm living. It doesn't always happen, but regardless if they change their lives or not, we are called to, to, to as much as it pertains to us, we are to be a people of peace. And that, that is a commandment that we have been given. And I think this is what makes this story so poignant and so powerful is we can often think of forgiveness. And I think Anthony touched on this a little bit. We think of these in these kind of abstract terms in these like uh, analogies or in parables, but we are faced with the very uh, present reality that forgiveness is not something that sticks just within the four walls on Sunday and Wednesday at church. Hmm. It is something that impacts our very lives. And when it impacts our very lives, it transforms those around us. Uh, yeah. And so it's just, it, it's it's mind boggling because again, this is, we, we keep using this language of supernatural and otherworldly. And yet at the same time, this is exactly how God intended us to act. And so in some sense, it is not, it is almost the most natural thing, even though it is the most difficult thing. But it's, this is what it means to be a people who have been, for, who are under God's This grace. is living a life where you are reconciled back to the design God originally had for you. Yes. And we look at this, and again, everybody's got their opinion on this. There's a lot of videos out there that just shows um, man hugs police officer who killed his brother. So they talk about the hug. They, they eradicate the language of forgiveness. But, you know, you ask yourself questions. Why did this man actually do this? Did he do this because he didn't love his brother? Anthony, what do you think? You think he did that because he, he just didn't like his brother? No way. No. Do you think he did this because he hates her and somehow is going to pull one over on her? Nope. Do you think he did this because he just really wants to give her a hug? Definitely not. Do you think he did this because he knows how, somehow now has better power? Nope. No. He did this because of Christ, and this is how Christ tells us to live. And and to Amanda's point, you know, we forgive people, and sometimes we, we really wish that that will be the end, and many times it's not. But what does the gospel tell us to do? He says that that is what you are commanded. You did what you were commanded to do. Now hand it to me. Well, and also was that you, can I forgive him only seven times is what Peter asked. And oh, Jesus yeah. is like, no, so I, I tell you not seven, but was it seven times yep. 70 yep. or whatever? And basically yep. infinite. Infinite. Yep. There are some people I will confess to this. There are people I have to forgive almost on a daily basis. And some of it's they haven't redone the bad thing, but just it impacts my life still. And so they have to continually be forgiven. And, and, and as is implied with Brant's testimony. He says, I forgive you, and now it's between you and God. Mm -hmm. he, he kind of implies this. He doesn't directly say that word for word, but he's saying, you know, you take your heart to God, and if you're sincere, he will forgive you. Yes. He is saying it's really ultimately up between you and God because that, that's where, you know, the souls, they last for eternity. That, that's where it's going to matter. Anthony? I will say uh, I've just sort of put myself into Peter's shoes here for a second, and I've got to say it is really Relatable. I mean, imagine being told that as many times as your brother comes to you in a day to ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. Yeah. And Peter's just sitting here like, whoa, 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 hold up, wait a second, hold up, <laughs> Jesus. I, I think I know what you're trying to say, all right? I mean, I get it. So maybe like seven times. What do you think about seven times? And Jesus is like, no, every single time if they really ask for forgiveness. Yeah, one of the things which is always fun is when people – and scripture try to negotiate with God. <laughs> like th this happens. <laughs> there are a lot of people who try to negotiate with God. I mean, 
you, you find Abraham, he's like, well, you know, say you've got 50 righteous people or maybe 45, 40, you know, all the way down. And God's like, nope, righteousness is, is good. You, you find the accuser come and be like, well, you know, Job, he only does these things because you pay him. And he's like, oh, go ahead, see. Righteousness is out there. When Jesus tells people to forgive, he really means it. He says that that is that is the job, the commandment I have given. Love as I loved you. I forgave you and then I took on death so that you could have new life. And in the end, whose power is it? You know, who comes and breathes? The what is breathed into them? Jesus says, You're gonna forgive, but he says he breathes into receive them. the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. This is something which is is divine and it is beautiful to see such an act of witness go on. Our world needs more of this. It really does. This is an example to live by. It's something which is really rare. We were talking in show prep. I, I don't know that I could think of anything off the top of my head that was such a profound witness to the gospel. A lot of times people ask questions, what does witnessing look like in the world? You know, it's a huge question. You have whole departments at schools dedicated to how this could possibly work. Sometimes people think it looks like going to a Toby Mac concert but the question of what gives glory to God, I, off the top of my head, could not think of a situation in pop culture which gave more glory to God than this. And when we were talking about this in show prep, Pastor Amanda actually came up with a similar situation that mm -hmm. happened a while back. Will you share that with us a little bit, Amanda? Well, yeah, and it's quite terrifying that we have to say a similar situation. But, um, yeah, it reminded me, um, I had to look it up to remember exactly what happened, but in about 2006, 2007, uh, a man entered a, a one-room schoolhouse uh, up in Pennsylvania and killed five children and then killed himself. And the Amish community that was impacted by, by such a horrific event then reached out to the, the murderer's wife, and I think she had uh, children. And so they reached out and they showed compassion. It was more than just saying, we forgive you, um, but they, they then followed that up with actions and trying to see what was the best way that they could take Wanted care of Wanted to take care another. of her and the kids. And it, it is, in our world, There and these are the two stories, or this is the one story I had thought of that reflected a lot about um, Brant's story and his story of forgiveness. Um, and there's, I think, billions of stories that bombard us on a daily basis because of the internet and news cycles and things like that, that where we just hear pain and agony and destruction and divisiveness and death. And because it's in our world and it's really been like that since, well, Adam and Eve sinned, but we hear about it and we hear about it. And, but to be also reminded that there are those out there who are willing to extend grace and compassion and forgiveness. And again, not just as kind of a platitude or a bumper sticker theology, but yeah. as something truly transformative in their lives and then in the lives of their communities and those that are around them. And even to those who have done harm to them or are related to those who have done harm to them. But to say that we're going to live differently. And right, this is the beauty that the kingdom of God, although it's not here in its fullness, it is here and we get to live as if it is here in its fullness. And we are commanded to live as if it is here in its fullness. Okay. It's, it's just a spectacular thing. And again, these are just two stories. And I think, and I hope these two stories will spur us to create these kind of stories in our own life and to yeah. take and, ownership And you don't of need a, an act of violence to respond right. like this. It, like that's the thing is we look at these horrific scenes, but yet something beautiful happened when the glory of God illuminates in such utter darkness. And the thing is, imagine if people's hearts and minds were moved towards God in all aspects of life. Anthony? 
um, I think one of the reasons why this is one of the greater acts of glory for the kingdom of God is that a lot of times we worship gods like Zeus and uh, the gods of the world, which are very, very power oriented. And a lot of times we Christians think of God in terms like that. A lot of times the God that Christians worship is not uncomparable to Zeus, but something you will never find anywhere else in the world except for in divine revelation in what God has shown us is the nature of God which was shown to us on the cross and I'm not saying that God doesn't have a heavenly throne but I am saying that whenever God is on his heavenly throne he's doing the same thing as what he did whenever he was on the cross and I think that whenever um, he's on that throne he also is the type of God not to keep himself distant and to remain isolated from the world in his own perfection, but he goes down into the darkest valleys, takes the dirt himself, and molds it into man and breathes life and spirit into him and calls him Adam. In the same way, whenever we look to uh, the last scripture that we just read, Christ takes his disciples, these men, and these are uh, men of sin just as we are. They weren't perfect men. And... He tells them that they should go and that they should forgive and that they should receive the Holy Spirit. But in the same way that he breathed life into Adam, Christ breathed life into his disciples. Yeah. And just building on that, we we often want to say that, you know, our God is, is different from that. And we forget that that God, he is the God of a kingdom. There is a throne in heaven. And he is power. Powerful, very powerful. But the power that God utilizes, he's not a tyrant who's going to get down and play in the dirt of sin. You know, he's not going to suspend holiness principles in order to save holiness. He's not going to do any of that. He doesn't need to do that. He comes and he conquers death. And that's a, a very powerful thing. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Any final thoughts we have before heading out? No? Looks like our clergy clue crew is looking pretty good clergy clue that's, maybe that's a game that we'll play one day clergy clue um we are doing something a bit of a mystery night here in the next few weeks um here at the church locally but anyways with that send us your thoughts question comments what do you think about this where what are your thoughts on all of this and how have you been blessed by just hearing this man's testimony with that thank you for joining us we are kingdom of the logos you can find us on soundcloud itunes Castbox, a lot of different places facebook youtube you can donate monetarily at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos With that, God love you and have a blessed day.